Well, welcome listening friends and thank you for joining us for another exciting episode. Our podcast today is entitled Buy the Truth and Sell it Not. And we're going to be reviewing today's media and uh, differentiating between sensationalism, misinformation and what is actually truth and how we can know it. And I'd like to welcome my good friend Brock Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Alex. Um, you know, this this is probably one of the most important topics that we face collectively across the globe um because information is just overwhelming at this point in time. And how do we safely navigate, you know, what is true and what is not? And to give to give a uh, practical example on this, um we see this problem in disaster response um because there's a lot of information that is uh sometimes valid and sometimes that is not valid and we have difficulty even in our disaster responses okay let's confirm that report um you know i remember we were in houston during the the hurricane harvey and you know there were all these reports that 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 the dam upstream had broken and this was a huge lake and so and they were worried about the dam they were worried about the levee it was it was indeed at a very critical stage and any more rain it could easily have have failed and if it had failed everything downstream would have um you know absolutely washed away um and and so we got these reports you know uh, on some of the apps that we we're using we we're using the Zello app which is kind of like a walkie-talkie communication app you can have many different groups on there publicly people can join and talk about things and and there were people that were on there saying the dam is broken the dam is broken you know and it's like get out now get out now if you're in the danger zone and um and that was a big deal because it was it, it was hard to differentiate is that a true piece of information or or is it is it false and thankfully it it actually turned out to be false um you know and another uh, example is that uh, we were in hurricane dorian uh this last uh 2019 in october and um we were actually prevented from going into the bahamas because of a false report uh that was circulated amongst our pilots you know we have these private pilots that were willing to fly us into um the bahamas and had received a report that that a pilot had landed and was held at gunpoint um uh, and all of his supplies were taken from him by force the pilot was unharmed but mm. it, it illustrated that this was a very volatile unsafe situation and so therefore none of the pilots on the mm-hmm. United States side wanted to now fly into the zone because there was no guarantee of of safety um and it actually put us on delay for 2 days we waited on the ground in Florida before we could confirm that that report was actually false wow. and so that's 2 days of of time in which people who are desperately in need of help and supplies were robbed of that experience just because of some misinformation. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, uh that's incredible. Uh you know, how do you differentiate between between the the two, you know, and 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 people are prone to believe something because it comes from uh what they consider trusted source, but oftentimes there is misinformation and and so we want to discuss and see how we can differentiate, how can we know what is true and what is false? and what is sensationalist sensationalism and what is not and you know uh you know we have some historical examples during the civil war uh you know the telegraph was uh, used uh, as a piece of technology and you know, they call it the first technological war because a modern piece of technology was used to communicate 
and so it was very expensive to 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 communicate using this technology because they would charge you per word so you have to you had to be very diligent about the choice of words and you had to communicate the best possible uh, you had to communicate the truth in the shortest possible way and with the best choice of words mm. uh, and so you know imagine if that was the case today right what would that right. look like yeah can you can you imagine if, if if our media outlets today were charged per word in the information that they're, yeah. that they're sharing online or other media channels and outlets um, it would really cut down on some of this uh, extracurricular fluff and speculation that we see <laughs> um, yeah, for sure and, and and there's really there's actually a, a verse that comes to mind you know solomon actually says this he says be not rash with your mouth and do not let your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. And the reason is because God is in heaven and mm-hmm. we're here upon earth. And so mm-hmm. then he has this admonishment that's so powerful. He says, therefore, let your words be few. Wow. Um, and man, you know, that that's such a powerful principle. You know, like I think some of the best information probably comes from people and outlets and sources that probably choose fewer words. Um, you know, maybe maybe they're not um, just trying to fill uh, articles or sell information or news, but they're actually just trying to report the facts. And sometimes the facts, um, it doesn't take a lot of words to, to share what's true. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of the most famous sermon ever preached was the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. And if you read the, the whole account, Matthew 5 through 8, how long does it take? Yeah. It'll take you maybe 15, 20 minutes max, you know, depending how fast you read, but that's about it. And yet such profound things were said there then that nobody could equal. So you're right about that. You know, the, you know, I'm reminded, uh, you know, I, I grew up in former Yugoslavia, particularly in Serbia. Mm. And, uh, you know, there was a conflict in former Yugoslavia, specifically in Bosnia, civil war amazing atrocities and and just incredible how people that were living together you know we had serbians we had bosnians uh, serbians are predominantly orthodox christian the bosnians are predominantly muslims and then croatians are predominantly catholic they mm. were living in bosnia that was kind of a little melting pot there and you know no problem i mean they've been living together since world, world war Two uh, people were intermarried. It didn't matter if you were Orthodox or Catholic or, or Muslim. People were married from different ethnicities, and there was no problem. But then the propaganda started to take place. The media, the you know, those controlling it, started to push a certain narrative and and bring uh, you know uh, nationalistic uh, news or you know, color certain group in one way in, or in another way. And, and slowly you can see there is a tension started to be built and mm. some old wounds are being brought up. And then, you know, there's there was a lot of mis, misinformation. And now you're creating you're creating an atmosphere of hatred where you want people to start fighting. Now, there were mm. other higher reasons behind. We don't we may never know until the end of time what exactly took place or who exactly was behind it but there was an interest group that had you know people profit from wars right right one of the greatest 
mechanism for profiting. Uh, and so, so this war was created out of nowhere. You know, I mean, people had no problem living together. The differences were not seeing as something that we need to fight, fight so, about physically. So, so that reminds me of a powerful quote, uh, Hiram W. Johnson. He has a, a quote in which he says, "The first casualty when war comes is truth," and and that's what we often see. Like before ever the first shot is fired, before the right. first person is ever you know injured or hurt or placed in a concentration camp, the first casualty. That ever happens in conflict is the truth. Yes, and you know the same author uh, said that war makes for great circulation, right. and so conflict, controversy, sensationalism—you uh, know—usually negative information is what sells. Right. And so right. it could be easily exploited. It could be easily twisted in that way, uh, so that there is a, um, you know publicity created or following right and that's what people are prone to unfortunately yeah in fact there's a term for this in jur journalism it's called yellow journalism and if you go yeah. back in history and you look up you know where did yellow journalism start it actually started um you know at the turn of the century in the 1900s back in new york city um, yellow journalism simply meaning news that is not factually based but focuses on sensationalism and crude exaggeration so really the birth of like the tabloids um, you know mm. they called them you know that's why they had these paper boys that were on the corner that would say extra extra read all about it and mm. and you know then the headline is what would suck people into buying that particular newspaper and they figured out really quickly that newspapers didn't sell if you just told the straight truth they sold if you exaggerated the truth and so um you know, you had two competitions going on between R Randolph Hearst and then even John or, or Joseph John Pulitzer. And, you know, we, we hear about this, the Pulitzer Prize for journalism. That's where this comes from. It's an award for achievements in newspaper, magazines, online journalism, literature and music. Um, but but it, it's really interesting because uh, Randolph Hearst, his newspaper was largely responsible for a historical uh, event that changed the course of U.S. history. Uh, in fact, according to Michigan State University, the most significant piece of yellow journalism, this this you know misreporting of the truth, was and arguably the most influential was the report of the sinking of the USS Maine in Havana Harbor. Uh, although there was no evidence suggesting foul play, Hearst New York Journal ran the headline: "Destruction of the warship Maine was the work of an enemy." And almost mm. every major newspaper in the country ran similar head headlines despite the lack of evidence. And it plunged our, our country into a, a world conflict with Spain at the time, the mm. Spanish-American War. Right. And so how many people were, you know, gave their lives for something that started with a lie, right? Right. Uh, you know, that, that brings us to today. And, uh, you know, we're familiar with the term called click and bait headlines. Mm, but we yep. don't always necessarily recognize that. And one example is just, uh, it wasn't even a few weeks ago, there was a title in the in one of the, the journals, online journals, and I'm just pulling it up here. So the title says, the mother and daughter, uh, sorry, I just lost it here. Give me a second. Okay, it says, mother and children from New Jersey die from coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds very, very scary, especially 
poor parents, you know, and, and so, but actually when you, when you look at it, and when you read it, you realize, wait a minute, the mother had 70, uh, let's see here, she was 70 some years old. Yeah, 70, 70 something years old. Yeah. Some years old, and the children that are being mentioned here adults. are in their mid fifties or yeah. in their fifties. So yeah. you know, but let's say you just scan the, the you know scan the title, and you didn't really read the news. It's it's already in your mind. You know, you already have that fear, and and then you're going to do certain things that maybe you wouldn't do otherwise. Uh, another example is. A 34-year-old California man dies from coronavirus, and I know you told me about it. Uh, you know, as you as you as you read this article, right? It sounds pretty scary. You know, that's yeah. close to your age. But yeah. what was the what what really happened with this young man? Like, well, and and this is yeah, this is a really fascinating piece because as you read this article, they actually had the uh, the honor to report the truth, even in the article after you clicked on the the headline. They actually did report the truth, and the and the truth is that this 34-year-old man, unfortunately, had been battling testicular cancer um, long before he ever had the coronavirus. And so we know from we know from the, what's happening with the coronavirus that it 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 is is especially a problem for those that are immunocompromised and those that have underlying comor what we call comorbidities. And so. Um, yeah, of course, you know, this is this was a, a, a real problem for him because he had probably no immune support. Uh, and then he also had a history of asthma, COPD. Um, and th- these are, you know, uh, huge underlying complications with the lungs. And so we know that coronavirus affects the lungs. Um, and so um, disadvantaged state when he caught this disease and very unfortunate that he died. But but the but the way that the article is sold is that you know 34 years old. I mean, I'm, when I look at it, I'm like, oh my goodness, like like I'm 33, but this guy's only a year older than me, and he coronavirus, mm-hmm. and so immediately fear is injected into my mental state. Oh, right. This could happen. Yeah. The problem is that sensationalization is that it's not honest. Yes. And, you know, dis- dishonesty often carries an agenda like what we've seen, you know, some of the examples that we've given and what you've even said in your own experience, um, you know, in, in Serbia. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting because, um, you know, th- this whole um, state in which we're now engaged with the media and, and the reports that we're seeing with um, coronavirus and other things is that it has it has a tendency to unite us against a common enemy um, which can be good you know if, if we face a common threat it's good to unite people against a common enemy bring them together right. um, you know and Sarah Byrne she's an associate professor of political science at Rochester Institute of Technology and, and she has this she states this she says when a country faces an existential threat it will create a rally around the flag effect the country wants the enemy to be seen as or seem as scary as possible and make themselves the good guys um, and right. so simply put, I mean, when countries go to war, obviously the opposition is going to be slandered and the rhetoric, the rhetoric is often magnified in the press. Yeah. Um, and we have examples Definitely. of this in, from history, do we not? Yeah. I mean, one of the best examples that I can think of is the, the burning of Rome, you know, uh, mm. and, and we know that during the time of Nero in the, in the 80, around 80, 60 uh, year, 
Uh, mm-hmm. Rome was burned. Uh, there were like some 14 districts that were set on fire, and it caused a great rage among the people, as you can imagine. Mm. But then the ones that were blamed for it were the Christians. Mm. And so Nero, uh, who was actually a, a tyrannical ruler, uh, was the one who all the historians, uh, and these are even secular historians, we don't really even have any other uh, sources uh, from that time of what took place, but secular historians tell us that Nero was without a shadow of a doubt um, the one who perpetrated and caused this uh, this destruction, but but then the, the blame was cast upon Christians, mm. and so people started to, uh, you know, uh, support the persecution of Christians, and Christians were being uh, arrested and simply executed, not on the basis whether they have been proven to have committed these crimes, but simply if they are Christians, because a blame was cast on a particular group, Christians, and then simply for being a Christian, you you are uh, sentenced to death. And, uh, you know, it took centuries because Christianity and Christians were persecuted for centuries. It wasn't until the era of Constantine in the fourth century that Christianity became legal. So we can see how far reaching can uh, these uh, lies and, and falsehoods, uh, you know, uh, take an effect. On, on people and cause uh, tremendous destruction of life, of innocent life. And, and you know, it's interesting too because sens- sensationalization was such a big part of the narrative, yeah. if, if I understand and remember correctly. Because one of the one of the misunderstandings um, about Christians was that they were cannibals, um, yeah. and, and so there were false reports and false rumors that that Christians actually ate each other. And, you know, and, and this and this is probably very troubling for any society. It doesn't matter whether you're a secular society, a heathen society or or, or any other type of religiously connected society. Mm. Uh, can, cannibalism usually is not seen in in, in very favorable light. Yeah, unless um, you're a cannibal, it's, it's usually very negative, right, you know. Right. right. <laughs> so so, you know, you can see how this played into, the, you know, the the fear that the public yeah. had, because it's interesting. This is such a, an, an intriguing phenomenon because. Because Nero was very, um, very much to blame, meaning that no, but nobody really questioned whether Nero is responsible. But as he shifted the conversation from himself to, oh, there's this group of Christians and they eat each other and they might come after you and your family and eat you. Mm. Um, we should we should throw them to the lions. All of right. a sudden, now society says, well, let's rally around the flag, just like you know was mentioned earlier. This rally around the flag effect. We're going to rally around the. The, the official narrative and let's go after this sector this group of people that is causing society incredible mm. potential harm and let's eradicate them from society yeah. um, and and we've seen that in other examples from history too this is not just you know um nero uh in you know ad 65 but um you know hitler and and what is known uh, as the big lie you know this is one of the most studied uh you know genocides of all time where you know Hitler blamed the Jews for all of Germany's problems, um, and we eventually all of us know where the solution ended up, um, and it was horrible, absolutely awful. That how could a civilized country go from you know prosperity and and a pursuit towards peace, um, and and literally tearing apart their entire country through war um, and and through other atrocities that that even today 
Germany still cannot get away from. Yes, I mean, I, I can see a pattern here going on. Um, find a scape, scapegoat, find a group to blame, and turn the, turn the public anger against them because, uh, you know, that's the best way to, to, to sway the people into a certain uh, agenda. And, you know, uh, we obviously have many examples in history, but these are some of the most, uh, uh, you know, pointing uh, examples that we can find and uh, you know but we also have uh, things happening in, in in our country here in America you know we had some troubling trends in the in the past of mm. some US emergencies you know uh, also yeah. during World War I mean actually during World War one yeah yeah it's interesting that you know even during World War one um, you know there was a lot of um, obviously to control information the the government took over all radio communications um, and, and made strict guidelines on censorship for not only uh, print media, but also even photography. Um, and Congress even passed what was called the Espionage and Sedition Act, which made it illegal to publish anything that was abusive against the government. And, and think about this, you know, the, one of the fundamental rights in American society is freedom of speech. And, and here again, in the effort to unite against a common enemy, Americans, even at the turn of the century, 1918, which I'm sure the freedoms then were even much more than we have now. Um, and, and even in 1918, they were willing to lay aside these fundamental American freedoms and say, you know what, nothing abusive against the government can be stated. Um, and, and, and that really is not that really is not a product of a free society. That's a product of, of, of other dictatorships that we've seen throughout history, where you can't say anything negative against the government, because if you do, um, you are held um, as as a traitor, um, and so it's interesting. We see that continued even through World War II. They even started a military office of censorship, and uh, if the press wanted access, uh, they had to apply for credentials. They had to be approved, um, and this is all well documented. And and even after World War II, um, you know there was there was a whole propaganda campaign that uh, worked to um, you know perpetuate fears of communism they called it even the red scare and it was led by senator joseph mccarthy and they, they actually prosecuted innocent american citizens just on suspicions of being soviet spies there was no basis for this but they actually were dragged into court just on the, on the suspicion that they were spying for the soviet union right yeah that's definitely uh, something to to keep in mind as we are, uh, you know, living in very interesting times, you know, I'm reminded of uh, experience my father had when I was growing up in Serbia. I was in early high school uh, time, uh, freshman. And one day somebody rang the bell at the door. I saw two guys. It was dark. I called my dad. He came and, you know, he, he, he's, uh, he was a minister at the time. He's a retired minister now of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church, and he was, uh, you know, uh, he had these two guys that wanted to talk to him, and they were, they told him, why are you sending us threatening letters? So he was surprised by their inquiry, invited him in, in to the office, and they had a conversation. He realized they had clubs in their sleeves, and he saw there's trouble smelling here. And so as they talked, he told them that that's not something we do. We're, a, you know, we're a Christian group. We teach the Bible. We promote you know, biblical values, and we don't do such things, you know. And so the people realized that somebody had, uh, you know, used our name 
and send misinformation or lies to cause us harm mm. uh, basically you know serbia is a predominantly orthodox country and so any smaller faith group that's outside of maybe the mainstream catholic or orthodox or islam is considered very suspicious they even call them cults or mm. ne- other de- derogatory names but anyway uh you know he talked to them and he was able to to explain what we teach and believe and then you know uh they realized they were deceived and when they were leaving one of the the leaders whistled and about 30 40 guys shows up out of you know out of nowhere they were hidden all around with baseball bats and chains and clubs and maybe they had guns and they say they were ready to demolish everything and and do away with us but now they realize they've been deceived mm-hmm. and you know my dad was able to give them bibles and and they asked him about 30 40 minutes question from the bible and they even said that if anybody comes and threatens us that they we should just call them of course we never did but uh you know we we thank god right. because uh you know god's protection was around us but we saw how closely we could have been face to face with with harm or death even uh because of the spread of misinformation or lies mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah you know it's interesting if we don't learn these lessons from history and our experiences then we, right. we know that we're doomed to repeat them and and that's that's the real troubling um you know situation that we're facing right now globally not just here in the United States but you know across the world um and you know Pew Research Center they actually uh did a survey and they and they found out that two thirds of adults get their news from Facebook um and and here's the challenge because social media algorithms are designed to keep people's interest for as long as possible so questionable news or things that may not be true or sensational uh that's what's going to be pushed forward to the front because that's that's how they uh, you know obtain that that airtime in front of people's um faces um you know is is literally trying to capture their their interest um and so right. you know if people are are, are this um connected to social media and that's where they're getting the majority of their news this is this is a big challenge for society um because how yeah. how are we going to disseminate truth when there's so much out there that is just really not factually based um and i i guess the biggest question that's probably most important that all of our listeners are um interested in is so what can we really do in the face of uncredible and incredible news um you know when the news yeah. is so incredible that it's uncredible like what what do we really do um well I, i would say one thing we we should consider is really setting the tv aside and what i mean by that is specifically the news uh limiting limiting our time uh with uh, with the news and really filtering and knowing you know how to differentiate between uh between the two is is sometimes very difficult but you know there's so many other things we could do that are more productive and more useful more beneficial more more uplifting uh such as uh reading more books and you know we don't mean just pick any book and read you know there's all kinds of sensational books but we're talking about uh books that will enhance your uh you know your life in a positive way like there are some incredible uh for example true life stories from people that have gone through difficult times like one book that i think of it's that that it's been a blessing for me it was called a thousand shall fall 
mm. and it's a very a very encouraging book from a, a somebody who who was uh, enlisted in Hitler's army not because they wanted it but because it was mandatory and how they have survived actually saving lives and protecting the Jews from the Nazi while being part of the Nazi you know regime it's pretty incredible story how how God has protected them through that so that's one book and I, I know there's many other there's another book in recent time is made a, a, a you know a lot of publicity and it is the life experience of Desmond Doss mm. uh, and, and I know you you know about this book um, yeah I don't know if you had a chance to read it but I'm sure you 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 saw the the documentary about his life yeah uh, that that's a very useful uh, or encouraging book I would say yeah um, that, you know it, I, I love the point that you're but, you're making about books because uh, my kids actually really love books uh, a good story and oh my goodness we could sit down there on the couch and read for hours and so um, th- this is such a, a positive I think uh, way to address this issue is that you know what yeah turn off the TV and spend some more time you know reading some good books find some good titles um, you know uh, and and you know whatever, whatever it is that we find we just want to make sure of course that it's it's trustworthy and true um and you know critically analyzing these things i think that's 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 the incredible um beauty about print about books is that um you you have a little bit more of a buffer i I believe Mm. when you're when you're reading the information to to not be sucked into a sensationalized story and say what am i what am i reading is it true um and right. so you can you can easily differentiate between that. You know, another thing you 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 brought up here is very interesting. Is when you're reading um, any information online, let's say you're on a news website or news app, the way it's designed is for you to keep keep reading and keep reading because there's constantly things that distract you. There is you reading an article and then in the middle of it, there's a link for another article that leads into another article, and before you know it, you can spend a couple hours just reading all these articles and you don't even know what's true what's mixed and right. what is false and you waste the time you have not really uh, been enhanced in any way but when you're reading a book there is no there isn't that element right you just read right. just the information and you are, have more control of your time instead of being controlled or constantly being you know given this stimuli uh, from you know uh, this uh, source of me- or this type of media now uh, you know we could maybe make a list in our below the podcast of books we recommend and give a short description if yeah. people are our listeners are interested books we recommend that are very uh, encouraging very uh, uplifting and positive that actually help you make better decisions and see how people have lived through very difficult times because what we're experiencing now is not something new maybe it's a new uh it's a new scenario but the principles are really the same all throughout history and so just one more book to highlight uh that i strongly recommend it's called the great controversy and this book has stories of people who have uh, lived in very difficult times like mm-hmm. martin luther during the, the protestant reformation and what they have faced uh even even has a chapter on the early Christians as we talked about the persecution of early Christians. Mm. It talks about early Christians and how they have been 
how they have endured the persecution uh, you know during the early centuries and what gave them strength and what uh, uh, you know how they have found uh, meaning and um, and and you know how they they were able to cope with uh, challenges they were facing and that will help us today and you know uh, mm. media really uh, digital media one of the elements that they use or a technique it's called rapid scene of reference and this is particularly when it comes to visual information or really all entertainment right. type uh, media and so what that what they do is if you notice you watch some kind of a movie or uh, you know you're watching uh, a commercial or right. something like that a, a scene will change there's a cut every like three to five seconds right constantly and uh, you know it's been observed in scientifically that after about 90 seconds the blood flow to your frontal lobe decreases right because your brain is now put into an alpha pattern or state which is a hypnotic state of mind your brain is your your frontal lobe which is the seat of spirituality morality and the will has you know come to a, a, a highly suggestible state right. a more hypnotic state and now the information that is being passed is not anymore critically analyzed like it would be before right and so the blood flow decreases the information is passed you the person becomes very passive and, and you probably notice this you know somebody's watching a movie and then another person or family member is calling them and they're like hey you know trying to tell them something and they're just their mouth is open and 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 they're like staring at the screen it's not that they are trying to ignore the person but they're simply hypnotized right and when that happens more than we know it and they know this and they use this uh you know of course it captures the attention right more because people aren't able to really right. tune out but when you're reading books when right. you're reading something on a printed page that is not able to occur so that's important right uh, what other sources can we utilize uh you know that would be useful and productive yeah um you know even just you know I, i've heard a lot of not only just talking about the useful books and times ways in which we spend our time but you know even i was talking to my wife earlier uh today and she mm -hmm. she made the statement that um her brother works for a construction company and his boss had just commented that, um, you know, even amidst all of this crisis, that he's actually for the first time has been able to eat dinner with his family every single night. Whereas before mm. this, they used to only eat dinner yeah. together maybe once a week, maybe. And, and that's because they were so busy. And now they've actually mm -hmm. been able to eat dinner together every single night. And I was like, wow, what a... You know what what a beautiful thing that we can actually start to see there are some real benefits and blessings to what's happening right now where you know what take mm. time with your family you know take time to go outdoors take time to do those things that you know prior to all of this we did not you know make the time for um right and so you know we, we've been given the gift of time actually in all of what's happening right yeah. now we've been given the gift of time sure and so it's it this is an important issue is that how do we spend that time do we spend that time eating up the, the, the stories and the narratives and the things that are coming through in the mainstream media uh, and even, you know, Netflix and all these things that can easily waste our time and, and even not really help us have um, uh, a greater sense of, of, of peace, really, in what's going on. 
Um, right. And, and how can we actually that make that shift? And one of the things that I know, um, you know, that's at the heart of this is how do we discover trusted sources of information? Um, you know, how do we find those sources that we can say, you know what, we can take this to the bank every time we know this is true. Um, you know, it's the one is the one question that Pilate asked, right? Pilate asked, you know, Jesus, he said, what is truth? What is the truth? Yeah. And and that that is such a powerful statement. What is truth? And and at the heart of of, I believe, all human endeavor and searching is this mm. question. What is truth? What is the truth? Amen. And, um, you know, one source that we have found that is incredibly accurate and provides principles that are unparalleled is the Bible. Um, you know, the Bible has this source of truth, the source of truth that is just, I mean, unmatched in any other book that you'll ever find. There's no other book that you can take off the shelf um, that has principles that are proven time and time and time again. Um, and so th- this is this is really powerful. Um, you know, that that uh, in some of the next episodes here, we actually are going to look at how can we establish the accuracy and the trustworthiness of scripture for today? Um, and there's a really powerful uh, example that comes to us from Daniel chapter two on this very subject. Right. You know, uh, you brought a good point because we're looking, people are looking for something to stand on. And the Bible has proved, has been proven over and over again to be true. Every time it has been challenged, uh, new discoveries have uh, been found and historical, archaeological, scientific evidences, and even more importantly, as you brought up, there are prophetic insights into our time. and And in our next episode, we're going to talk about an incredible prophecy, 2,500 years ago, that is predicted. Mm. Not just the rise and fall of kingdoms and nations from the time of Babylon all the way throughout the Roman Empire and the division of the Roman Empire, but even to our very time. And it tells us what's coming next. And more importantly, it's not just what's coming, but how can we be ready for what's coming? That's really, you know, where the Bible comes in. Uh, it, it not just warns us of things to come, hey, Alex, but it prepares us. Alex, let's pause there. There's a glitch. So um, okay. let's just rewind. Um, okay. So sorry. The audio cut off completely as you were saying and not only does it tell us you know so maybe just restate that statement okay let's do it again so not only the bible tells us what is coming and what is truth but it also helps us how to be ready for what's coming and that's the beauty of it it's very practical and we're going to be discovering from this incredible prophecy from the book of daniel that has proven to be accurate uh to this every single detail it, and it has predicted a nation after nation kingdom after kingdom even to our very time and so we would like to invite our listeners to join us in our next episode and we're going to be talking about this incredible uh incredible prophecy mm. you know that reminds me of a of a particular verse actually david writes he says that thy word is truth from the beginning mm. And every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. And, you know, what, what a powerful statement that, you know what, David recognized this, that, that God's word has been true from the beginning. And that whatever God declares, you know, even in, in judgment is, is true forever. Um, and, and that's a claim that no other book 
has ever made or can even make um right. it, it, the validity of that claim and so that you know we want to assess that if if the bible makes this claim is it really true can we really trust it um and and what does this mean for for our day and age that's right and you know in philippians 4 8 uh the bible tells us that finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure and whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things because this is really what transforms our lives and this is what the bible is offering us today yeah you know and if you look at this verse i, I love this i love this particular passage because you know, if, if, you're, if you're asking the question, like, well, how do I judge, you know, what is true information? Like, what, what should I be listening to? What should I be reading? What should I be consuming, you know, in my media choices? And this verse right here levels the playing field when considering these things. Because, I mean, look at just the list. Like, if things are true, if things are honest, if things are just, you know, anything that is pure, anything that is lovely, anything that's a good report, that's uplifting... And if there's any virtue, if it's praiseworthy, if it's like, you, you know, and, and you see this, you know, you see small glimpses of this from time to time, right? I mean, like you, uh, even on social media, you see little tidbits where they say, you know, here's a little good news uh, nugget, you know, where, where, where you see some, some act of kindness that somebody displays or, or, or maybe it's some, you know, little video of, of something that just warms your heart and you're like, oh, that's just amazing. You know, I, in fact, somebody showed me. Uh, a clip the other day it was on it was on social media my wife shared it with me and it was it was about this father who has a son who is severely disabled and his son asked him dad would you run a marathon with me and so the dad's like okay you know and, and he even had some heart complications himself uh being older and, and and maybe some heart disease who knows i'm not sure exactly what but he said yes he said i'm gonna train for this and i'm gonna run this marathon with you and he built a special little you know cart for his mm -hmm. son to be in and they ran the yeah. marathon together and the son loved it so much he said dad would, would you do the iron man with me and it was like oh my goodness and so then the dad trains he, he puts all this effort into training for this iron man and and uh you know and then the two of them together do this incredible race you know, where yeah. they're, they're swimming, they're biking and they're running together. And it was such an inspirational story. You know, I was looking at that. And I was like, man, you know, if only all of our news stories were like this, what kind of world would we live in? Right. It's really what they choose to dwell on. It's not that we're trying to ignore that there that there's bad news and there's only good news. But it's really, you know, what you choose to dwell on. Right. And, you know, just knowing the bad news doesn't solve the problem. But you right. got to know the solution and what is the answer and how we can find a way out of this gloom and doom that we're surrounded with. And I think the best answer is to look at God's word. And so uh, thank you for joining me uh, on this episode. And, uh, you know, as we said uh, to our listeners, please join us in our next episode where we're going to be talking about an incredible Bible prophecy that is talking about our day today. So thanks again. And uh We'll see you, or rather, we'll talk to you in our next episode. Absolutely. Can't wait. Thanks, Brock. All right. Thank Bye. you, Alex. Okay. Take care.